Welcome back to another exciting episode of SparkCast. This is Sean. Sammy Magnus. Thomas. I'm always forgetting to add some random Transformer title to the end of my name. Thank you, Sammy, for making me feel like a failure. You're welcome. <laughs> you get to feel how Starscream feels. This is going to be a long episode, everyone, so get comfy. wants to summarize this episode big rock there you go big rock big rock in peru and they have to go get its powers and things go horribly wrong and then there's sky fire yay well <laughs> they go but where do they go does everybody remember did that ingrain into your heads peru to get a magical stone that apparently Something on Earth is more powerful than anything that has ever been made on Cybertron, by the way. The crystal? The crystal just harnessing the energy that was shooting out of the ground perpetually. <laughs> well, what's said, it's, this crystal's ten times the power of anything on Cybertron. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's the crystal itself or channeling the power of, you know, the same green power that channeled the other first Skyfire episode. But anyway... We're going to get to our format first, Season 5, Generation 2, and Japanese Differences. He's more than meets the eye, he's a robot in disguise. Before we begin, I need to mention one thing. In our last episode, SOS Dinobots, at that episode in the Japanese version is when the narrator starts constantly narrating and everything. I looked at just one minute scene and Grimlock is heading towards Teletrad 1 to destroy it. And we hear what sounds like, Oh no! Grimlock is heading towards Teletran 1! Will the Autobots be able to stop this ferocious new creature? And then he narrates three more times in that scene before they leave the arc. They just want to doubly make sure that everyone knows what's happening. I mean, it starts narrating everything that's on the screen that's already happening as it's happening, or has already happened, and sometimes he does it twice. And in... in I actually... Watched the whole episode in Japanese, and in 18 minutes, he narrates 12 times. Three of those that were within a minute and a half. And I'm just like, it's really uh, distracting. I guess they thought that when it was going to air in Japan, people would be lost and wouldn't understand what was going on. Also, in the Japanese version, the Dinobots actually make sound clip roars from old kaiju films. <laughs> that makes sense, though. Japan. Apparently, there's a lot of people who don't like the Japanese version because of how over-narrated it is constantly from this point on. They must be a fan of, I guess I, forget, I already forget the name of the TV series with the Claymation Optimus and the cube just <laughs> constantly transitioning to scene after scene after scene. <laughs> and instead of a, a visual assault, this one is a verbal assault. I wanted to go over something here too. Fire on the Mountain. I'm starting to understand how different the animation errors were, and I discovered why. I've been watching the Rhino DVD episodes, and I know Thomas has too, because we both had the Dinobot rocks not vanishing when they just said, look what these powerful creatures can do, and then nothing happens. No, that's, that's my version too. Okay, so yeah. when making the Transformers, the original Masters had many errors. They were sent back for corrections to become... The Broadcast Masters. Now, the Broadcast Masters 
were too deteriorated and unusable for DVD in 2002. So Rhino DVDs used the original broadcast masters that before they were touched up. So that's what we've been watching because the original ones that had slightly less errors are lost. Huh. I mean, unless you go find VHS tapes. I mean, I have the Shout DVDs now to watch, but I don't watch these till after this podcast episode because I don't want to start seeing so many different versions of things. What's the deal with the Shout DVDs? I know they're better because they, I think they made sure to put some stuff back, but it's not always exact, so it's like a third version. Are they sourcing the same material, the broadcasts, or the original, original masters? Uh, I don't remember now. I have all the info with the Rhino DVDs, not the Shout DVDs. Okay. Oh, so you can still see, yeah, if you, if you can suffer through Generation 2 episodes, you can compare the Rhino DVDs to see where all the errors were corrected when they were actually broadcast. If, if you want to subject yourself to the Generation 2 cube. You think that's going to happen? And sadly, the last thing is this episode is not on my Japanese DVD that collects seasons 1 and 2, uh, so I couldn't watch it. That's because Skyfire was another company's toy, so they pushed this episode back to airing as one of the final episodes in Japan, so I assume it's on the Transformers 2010 DVD release in Japan. Uh, which I do not have, so I cannot check to see if it's there. Even though it's like a whole new cast of characters, it's just weird to include it on that set uh, if that's the case. Gotta put it somewhere, I guess. <laughs> it's just <laughs> weird. It's like you finally finished watching season three with Rodimus, and all of a sudden, last two episodes is Skyfire. You know, why not? Like, hey guys, <laughs> I'm alive? Question mark. <laughs> Sarcasm not appreciated. So, to the writer phase. Does anyone want to read food to us our writer? Sure, I'll do it. Douglas Booth was the writer for this episode, and he wrote 12 other Transformers episodes starting with Roll For It, involving the antimatter energy which introduced Chip Chase, and he was a story consultant on the animated movie. He's written all kinds of things for cartoons, starting with Yogi's Space Race in 1978, to 80s shows like Godzilla, Spider-Man, He-Man, Gobots. Gobots! Why did you have to put this in here? For Thomas! <laughs> uh... Also, hey, uh, Sammy, don't worry. You can. I'm sure you can dive, dive more into this text. I oh. hate you when I'm leaving this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I hate my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, God. Um, unrelated to GoBots, he also did G.I. Joe. And up to the 90s shows like Super Mario Brothers 3, Mighty Max, uh, Conan, Sonic... Street Sharks, Iron Man, and Spider-Man. He has tons of credits, though the most episodes for a single show he did was The Smurfs, where he wrote 36 of those episodes, which I love The Smurfs, and that makes me happy. And then he also did writing for Winx, in which he's written 26 of those episodes. If you watched cartoons in the 80s and 90s, you probably watched something he's written. He's also the associate producer for all of the G.I. Joe episodes and Robotix, the, and producer for the entire Conan the Adventurer 90s show. Later, he wrote many episodes for two Spanish cartoon shows and three German cartoon shows. Fortunately, their wiki and IMDb pages do not indicate any U.S. release or air dates, despite most of them having English-language dubs. Actually, I think that's, like, all really neat, and I kind of like this guy, despite the weirdness that happens in that epi- in this episode. I, 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 
I kind of want to go back to the Smurfs and just be like, all right, I want to see if I can compare these writings and see if I can tell that it's his. I love the Smurfs. Sorry. Uh (laughs) I want to know if he actually created Chip Chase for the episode or if it was already a character that was created for the Bible. Good question. Something to put on my Transformers bucket list interviews, you know. Thomas, were you about to say something? Uh, I was getting ready to run down the Smurfs. <laughs> it's, Excuse me? I was going to ask if this guy was a bad writer because I remember just days after school, <laughs> grandmother babysitting me, and there's nothing to watch except the Smurfs. And it was a painful 22 minutes. I've never watched it. And thought, this is good. This is entertaining. <laughs> Let me tell you something about my childhood. So when I moved to college, going through some stuff in the attic, my mom showed me my 1981-82 calendar, and it was, of course, all the Smurfs. Yay! And, of course, they had little stickers for baby's first word, baby's first steps, all stickered on there throughout my first year of existence. That's adorable! And eventually you threw it away because you knew you you had attachment to it. That's my mom's. I'm not going to take that. (laughs) She wants to remember all that stuff about... By both of you, Smurfs are great. Yeah, see, I haven't rewatched it. I only remember it from my childhood. So, like, uh, oops. Anyway, all I know is that it's got to be better than any of the live-action Smurfs that have come out. Oh, yeah, no, screw those. I feel like there was definitely advertisements for one of those Smurfs movies where they just kept saying, who let the Smurfs out? I'm sure that was a thing. Yeah, uh, that was a live action and I want to forget the live action. Quick, talk about what you liked about this episode before our brains die from remembering that exists. Me, Grimlock, no like you! Uh, I like Skyfire. I like that there was so much happening in this episode. <laughs> it was jam-packed. Agreed. There's so much stuff happening. <laughs> like, none of it. It's it's a mess, but it's a good mess. Yeah. I mean, I actually liked Skywarp making fun of Starscream, laughing at him for having guard duty. <laughs> yes. Every I, yes. scene. I like how he tries to set Starscream up, and then he's like, traitor! And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're the one who's always the traitor. You should be helping him. Uh, I like the part where Megatron was actually nice for two seconds to Starscream. <laughs> Genuinely like, oh, that was a really good job of you, Star. And he's like, ah! <laughs> uh, and what's sad is this is the only time Thundercracker acts this way. Because I think it was originally supposed to be part of his character bio, I think. And this is like the only time he acts that way in the show. Also, Thomas, you were about to say something and I think I cut you off. I was going to say that, yeah, it just seemed, I guess building on what Sean was saying is Thundercracker, it just seemed real out of character for him to be doing what he was doing. Because even later in the episode, he mocks Starscream and Megatron to their face. (laughs) Gets away with it. Real geeky. Yeah, he, and then he just flies away. <laughs> <they're> just flying. <laughs> I really like that that aspect. I don't know if that would be a character that he should have had the whole time, but it was it, it was particularly interesting just to see it pop up out of the blue. I have a question for you. What does the Sky Spy do? It doesn't have, like the Autobots have some kind of little satellite in space, and it doesn't detect Decepticons. It just looks down on the Earth. And just starts looking at the Earth for Decepticons. 
<laughs> like yep. it's just gonna randomly start finding them. Their tech must be awful because laser beak can just go. Oh, I sense a satellite, and they can immediately destroy it. My the, my better question is, or my other question is that uh, when did they get that? Well, apparently why they don't they have it anymore. Why did they suddenly have it? Well, okay, fair, but why did they suddenly have it just for like the two seconds of plot? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it was already weird that. It was immediately destroyed as soon as it was introduced. But yeah, why would they never use it this whole time? But then they decide to write it into an episode, but just, again, destroy it within 20 seconds. Well, you know what I mean, happened is, last time there was an episode, they're like, man, the Decepticons are attacking. Let's grab the only three Autobots we have at the base because everyone's all out on patrol. And someone was just like, screw patrol, let's just make a satellite. I mean, it makes sense. What does it make does. sense? Laser beak. I mean, if it's in space, I don't recall their laser beak having the capability to fly up to space and destroy low orbit objects. Laser so, beak is all powerful. He can do anything he wants. Well, didn't they shoot at it with the giant purple steel gun? I don't is remember that what now. Was it laser beak? I thought laser beak detected it and then he used the cannon to shoot at it. Oh yeah, that and that's is what true. damaged it, no, and then they had to true. go repair it. Okay, so laser that's beak true because... super sensitive eyesight or something. That's one of his uh, special abilities. I I wrote down for that segment. By the way, is just that's not how lasers work. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there was one thing I didn't like about this episode, and that's Skyfire. So, uh, excuse me, Skyfire did his best. Okay, so and when here's he the tried reason. hiding, it was the cutest thing. Hold on. See, here's the thing. It's because of how they set up his character already. They already set him up as, like, not liking war in the last appearance. And he's like, is this what I'm going to do with my life? You know, do war. And he seemed to be forced into it. But in this episode, uh, there's none of that. He's just, oh, there's a battle. Let's go fight. He has none of the character development or character introspection that he had in his first appearance. He's just generic Autobot for the battle now. I get yeah, that. But I mean, but he kind of seems like he's smart enough to know that he he has to set aside those concerns. I mean, he just realizes the situation where the Decepticons are just trying to destroy the world, and he's one of the few that can stand up against them. Well, maybe that's why he didn't fight. So he just he, he would just shuttled the two worthless Autobots to go fight the Decepticons by themselves, then came back and picked them up. Were those that was new the worst? They, they sent Brawn and Windcharger. To fight all the Decepticons. Yeah, like, just go off and fight Megatron. That's that's sane. Yeah. Oh, and but... Braun had a comm device to call for help, and I'd never seen it used before. <laughs> and I was like, aha, this is why when, tra- when Optimus is in the base looking at pictures on a screen, this is where the pictures are coming from. Some other random Autobot is shoving it at the face of the other Autobot that's talking to him. That the one sense. other thing I don't get with this whole Brawn, Skyfire, Fairy thing, if they were spying on something in Peru, why did they go all the way to one of the North Poles? Well, not one of One of the Arctic Poles. Uh, <laughs> and pick up Skyfire instead of traveling straight down to Peru. I mean, it seems like they went to get him because they needed fast transport to get to Peru. Somehow flying to one of the poles is faster, and then they just went straight there with just two of the dumbest Autobots instead of 
picking up all of them like they eventually did. They uh, wanted the most action. They were like, nah, 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 we got this. We don't need no Optimus Prime. We could just take all of them. We got Skyfire on our side. How do you know Optimus wasn't just sending them off to die to delay them till the good Autobots could arrive? He's like, eh, it's, no, just Bra- it's just Braun and Windcharger. Just send them on the front lines. Send them on the front lines. Maybe they'll die and not come back. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it wasn't Huffer or Gears, but, you know, we'll make do. It's not Cliff Jumper either. The best thing that I didn't like about this episode was mm-hmm. just the crux of this episode the Decepticons are already, we're only nine episodes in, and they're already rehashing plans. They already did the giant mountain-destroying laser gun plan, that Starscream build. He, he did another episode. Well, there was another episode where he's done that, right? Or some kind of, or something. Well, he was testing the Energon on a small, like, but that was a small assault rifle that has a ton around a base or something. But uh, it blew up. Different. No, it did it? Yeah. It was a small mountain. This is a big mountain destroyer. <laughs> it's a more well, advanced episode. It was a failure of a plan, but they saw something in it. I also didn't like how uh, Spike suddenly knows how to fix Cybertronians. Yeah, I know they've established that Sparkplug can. Maybe he's been teaching Spike off screen. So I, there you go. I, uh, <laughs> that's dumb, but okay. <laughs> hey. You gotta invent these continuity uh, tapes to stitch together so that there's no more continuity holes. True, true. <laughs> I have something weird is, so there's a factory only a mile or two down the road from a village. Everyone from this factory would be dead or dead soon in real life because of all the chemicals. There's no way they could survive that close. And did you notice that the villagers are all Peru citizens, but all the factory workers are white? <laughs> so, actually noticed that. so I'm like, this has got to be an American company trying to work unregulated, not caring about the villagers' health or the country that they're going into and polluting. I'm not joking because steel production causes significant air pollution that damages the cardiovascular system, produces waste sludge, and contaminates villages' drinking water and kills them. So this has to be a new thing or else that village would be a dead village. I don't understand why they're going to another country, though, to make steel. Are they trying to save money from the import tariffs since they're an American company? They could. They could. I feel like that's going like, into this a lot more than uh, the writer did. I Actually, feel I like it was colorist. back in the 80s where destruction of the rainforest was always a top thing or, or a new thing. Uh, not necessarily going to put mines, uh, factories there, but just a whole lot of like tree excavation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just reminded of when you said rainforest. So I don't usually bring this up, but switching to Transformers Armada, they go to a rainforest to look for the Minicon, and they pull out like a thing to look through the trees better. And one of the humans is like, "No, don't kill that tree!" And they're like, so they gotta like somehow move through a rainforest as giant robots without damaging a single tree. Yep. Which of course fails because the Decepticons just start blowing stuff up. Like you do. <laughs> And they all start, you know, of course, they have that whole sad, you know, what's happened to this forest? And uh, I make fun of it, even though I I am a huge believer in environmentalism. But it was, it's just kind of funny in that context of the episode. But back to regular Transformers. So the Peru girl says she's worried about the temple, then shows up at the factory. I'm like, I thought you were going to go to the temple. Are you here doing the environmental activism because of the factory stuff I mentioned earlier? Is that why you're here? Because I feel like she had an off-screen adventure where she went to the temple, 
found the Decepticons near it, and then followed them to the factory, and that was like either in the original script or something, and then it just dropped or what? Because she's there to warn I- the Autobots with no explanation, and she knows the Autobots are good. Even in Peru, I guess the rest of the world knows about the Transformers now. I mean, red, white, and blue... They're good colors, right? America's here, uh, other country. We're here for you. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh, Sammy already brought up my note about how Spike's able to repair Skyfire. Uh, we had the same note. So anyway. Well, right that same scene, did you guys notice the crazy sequence of animation errors there? Oh, yeah, where they brought in Skywarp instead of... Uh, <laughs> yes. And not only not only did that, it wasn't Skyfire colored as Skywarp, he was actually proportional to the size of Skywarp. Exactly. <laughs> so that was, it was just so much in this, this sequence. Because one, Skyfire's size was constantly changing throughout the whole episode. But then you get to this point where they're carrying him in on a stretcher of some sort, but then he's the same size as all the flyers, basically. But then it's not actually him. They're carrying Skywarp. Uh, and then Thundercracker or one of those guys are standing next to Megatron. Then the scene changes for a second, and then it trans. Whoever was standing next to Megatron transformed into Starscream. There was just so much going on. I yeah, I was I, I was taking notes, but then it something else was immediately happened. Well, I had off. to pause times. All right, so we'll we'll get to that in just one second. Does anybody have any last like dislikes about this episode? I got one left. Uh, I, I also I, have one left. Okay. Go ahead. There's just there's a line that Optimus says where he's like that's what separates the Autobots from the robot chickens and I'm like <laughs> Yeah? Is that true, Optimus? Uh, Anyways, I just thought there were well, a lot of just cute lines. There was another line at the very beginning where I don't know if it was Windbreaker or Brawn, but there was a line about steel stealers. <laughs> <laughs> then Starscream was like, huh? oh, he's, oh, the CG, sorry. The cheesy line was steel stealers, it's fighting time. Starscream responds back, correction, Autobot, as far as you're concerned, it's losing time. <laughs> And right after that, they have a fight. The The building falls down on top of them. And uh, then Starscream says, that's what I call bringing down the house. There was yep. just cheesy line after cheesy line. <laughs> uh, and like, it's so good, though. <laughs> so, like, it was so weird. Like, their main... So, their main goal was to get steel to make a super weapon and charge that super weapon, a super weapon laser, and charge that super weapon with the gem they found in an ancient Peruvian cave. And then when they blow it up, because they used too bad of a steel due to Starscream, they then happen to have a steel factory only a mile down the road in Peru. Yay, coincidence. You know, just all those steel factories just just hanging out. So there were two times in this episode that Optimus acted like Megatron, which I wasn't down with. The first is he digs up Skyfire and uses him just like Megatron did. okay the second he says finish him off (laughs) i'm like whoa optimus Uh, do you remember you're not a decepticon that is not what the autobots say look he was just having a real bad day his little cranky side gets out sometimes 
and it's okay. We forgive him. He doesn't mean it. So there was, I don't know, throughout these episodes, I'm just noticing random Autobots just having just bursts of bloodthirst. Uh, <laughs> so I think it was it was it was Optimus' turn this episode because there's the stuff that you guys just mentioned, but there were also two other sequences that I thought pretty great with Optimus when they finally arrived at the factory. Optimus just rams right through the doors. There's a quick shot of Megatron's face is acting super surprised, and then Optimus rams right into him throws him through the wall and, the, and Megatron is just like completely out of it. That was so awesome. I love that scene. Yeah, I loved it. It was a great scene. Um, then later on in the episode, there's a sequence where Optimus runs up to the top of the pyramid, picks up Megatron over his head and throws him off the side of the pyramid straight to the ground. This is so good. Silence. <laughs> Yeah, Optimus definitely had the bloodthirst this episode. He was like, he's like, hey, you can make you can make ruckus in uh, America and in the North Pole, wherever. But like, you come down to Peru, uh-uh. <laughs> so any animation errors? Time. Yeah, I got too distracted by the great lines that I actually didn't notice that many animation errors. Oops. Oh, okay, the ones that stood out is Trailbreaker turned into Windchanger's car form. <laughs> In the opening sequence, I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. I was still trying to figure out if those were new Autobots or and who the, what their names even were. So, yeah, like Trailbreaker, Brawn, and Windcharger, I just I couldn't keep those straight. I mean, this wasn't an animation error, but you could totally tell the factor workers are just repeated over and over again to save animation, right? I mean, that makes sense. It's, it's fine. Uh, speaking about uh, using the same clips, though, for animation with, like, s- small budgets, I learned, I'm going to bring back the Smurfs. This is slightly off topic, but it's just really funny because in the original Smurfs, there is just one cell of animation that is the same Smurf of just him screaming. And he is in the same pose in 22 episodes. Just there, you could see him right there. Like, all that changes is the background. And I'm like, that's really it's i mean slightly lazy but at the same time i understand if it's between episodes no kid's gonna notice I, i'm gonna I, guess filmation was behind the smurfs i mean See, it was definitely not tms tms episodes in both in any of the the 80 shows that you can tell that the animation stepped up its game uh, so there's this isn't an animation error but it's the way they animate it Windcharger, his body actually changes from red to gray so that his body pattern will actually work with his arms. And so he's the only character I've seen where his paint changes when he transforms. So you're saying this is a recurring thing or did yes, it only happen? Yes, Windcharger. It's so... Wow. Th- yeah. I haven't... I'll have to check that out. That's, that's really interesting. Uh, any other errors you spotted, Thomas? Yeah, for this particular episode, the only thing that I caught was just this whole Skyfire, Skywarp, Thundercracker thing. Yeah, that went on for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Enough to probably at least have confused some kids at that point. Yeah. Next, we're going to move on to deleted audio. So I actually had three instances of the audio that I thought was interesting. Transform and attack! 
I don't take orders from you, Starworm. So be it. Who needs your pitiful help anyway? There were others. Somebody called him. Oh, yes. Yes, there was another line where they were making fun of his name, Starscream's name. That seemed like it was just a thing that happened this episode. I think it was Skywarp still. He was calling, I guess, after they had guard duty. Skywarp was mocking Starscream, and he called him Screamer instead of Starscream. (laughs) I find that more of a nickname rather than... I think I thought it was funny that Starscream immediately starts acting like, you know, a teenager again. Fine, I don't need your help. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of find Screamer more of a nickname than it actually being insulting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. The way that he said it, and then the bye right after that. That's true. The bye is what's, uh, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, when Starscream gets upset, he does a lot of weird screaming. <laughs> Uh, that's how he always sounds. Yeah. <laughs> so next is... Never send in a camera to do the work of a steam shovel. He tripped my automatic transform mechanism. Get the picture. I don't know. I just don't know if it was cheesy or stupid or what. And they call it, say, get the picture to him. as Laughing at the insult. <laughs> well, it's not, well, it's not even an insult, actually. He says that about himself, and he seems very proud of being called a steam shovel. At first, I thought it was just weird, like they were making fun of Reflector. And then that that was it. It was cut for some reason. I'm laughing at why is there an automatic transform mechanism? How can you hit that? <laughs> I have a lot of questions. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to make him particularly distinct. Maybe there's some kind of automatic flash camera thing that was new. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, no, I, no, there is no uh, purpose. No. There's, there's no, no purpose to have this button. <laughs> We are doomed! What? <laughs> it's just people like cheering, and then the next one is like, we're doomed, and everyone's screaming for their life. You know, that's a, that's a lot of wallow there. Uh, okay. I just thought that was funny, like how overacted that is. It's like, we are doomed! And it went on for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, when is this ending? <laughs> but yeah, that's all. So next we have retcons. And of course, the first retcon I already mentioned is Skyfire's personality seeming to be different from the last time he has appeared. Like, and also how he was mourned in his last appearance, but now it's like, wait, we need an aircraft. Let's make sure he's not dead and then dig him up and hope he's alive. Uh, you know, it's not like we couldn't have saved him when he was buried or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could save him now, you could have saved him back then, too. I mean, that's only how he got saved in the first place, by being dug up. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's on to Thomas's favorite part, Starscream's blunders and stupid moments. Don't tell me what to do. I do what I want, when I want! It's been a while, but Starscream did something to help the Autobots again, making it now, I think it's 5 or 6 out of 10 episodes. Starscream doesn't listen to Thundercracker's advice, doesn't test the metal, and then lies about being able to get it to work, refusing to face facts, and then throws the blame on Thundercracker. Here's our leader. (laughs) Uh, He's a great leader. Those are all excellent traits of leading. 
Scott's determination and confidence. Hey, contrast that with Optimus last episode actually admitting he made a mistake and actually learning from his experience, which Starscream never learns anything from any of his experiences. You can't say that. He actually learned from his previous experience. He made a better giant laser gun. It was actually so great that Megatron decided we, we should try that plan again. Let's, the only ingredient we were missing was a giant crystal. No, they needed better steel. And had they had the good steel the first time, they would have had a much better advantage. Yeah, but Starscream successfully made the episode longer. <laughs> yeah. So Braun turned to Trailbreaker and was like, it's fighting time. Only to turn and see Starscream and Thundercracker are already gone and no fighting uh, and also, we already mentioned this before, but how stupid was it just to send Windcharger and Braun to fight all the Decepticons? And, that, and they fight Soundwave and Megatron. Yeah, yeah. top tier. Like, you guys you guys are going to die. <laughs> and the last thing is he says, I'll switch their logic circuits and make them into a Decepticon. I was like, oh, okay. Why didn't you do that when Skyfi- uh, Skyfire was just unconscious in front of you forever a few episodes ago? And you wouldn't have to worry about him being all belligerent and everything. Well, wasn't he a Decepticon temporarily? Maybe Megatron just didn't like him. <laughs> He's like, I don't really need this thing on my team. I already have Astro Train. Whatever. Yeah. Shoot, does he have Astro Train by now? Uh, I don't know if he's a season two add-on or not. Whoops. Well, he almost has Astro Train. And also, it's funny, he says, I'll make them into a Decepticon, but... You'll find out later that in the past he had a mind control machine on Cybertron. <laughs> anyway, little continuity glitches. So does anybody have any fun, stupid moments for this episode? No, I think all of my stuff was covered. Sam? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, like the stupid buy thing still gets me, but yeah. Hey, boys, we're going to be movie stars! It's time for the main character of the episode. We actually forgot to mention this in our last episode, but I'm... I thought that Wheeljack was the main character. Agreed. Since he created the Dinobots, then fought at the end, even though he didn't have a character arc. But I still thought he was the main character, even though you know, it was I mean, he's the, the one. No, I mean he he's the one who set the plot in motion. Mm-hmm. I, I'd agree with that. So, who do you think is the main character this episode? Braun gets the most screen time out of all the Autobots, but then Starscream and Thundercracker also have a lot in here too. I mean, uh, personally, I'm going to say Starscream. <laughs> he has fantastic moments, and honestly, like, a lot of his blunders work to move along the episode, so... <laughs> you know, I I almost went with Braun, I thought, while I was watching it, because not only does he... He fights Soundwave, he gets to shoot Megatron with his own gun against him, and then he even fights Starscream by running up past his guns and attacking him, but none of it matters because all it took was Skyfire to come in, blow up the cannon, and peace out. And that's how the episode ends. <laughs> yeah. See, I could also say Skyfire is the main character, too. Yeah. It's like poor Braun. He was about to get his only main character achievement. No. And he no. got it taken Braun, away. <laughs> Braun can get out of here. Yeah. I don't really feel like this one had a main character. Like, even... Starscream's the main character. Starscream? That's what you think? Yep. Yeah, well, it does yeah, follow him. One. Yeah, it does actually follow from his point of view a lot. So, and yeah, might be true. Might be the first Decepticon main character episode we got. I'm down with it. All who agree with Starscream being the main character say aye. Aye. 
Uh-huh. Awesome. With, with also uh, Thundercracker too, right? He so. gets he gets he gets side. He gets second. He gets first supporting character. He loses too many points with me for all his lip that he was given Star Scream. <laughs> but that's he what didn't was take so the fun. property like a good flyer should. <laughs> None of these seekers. Wait, doesn't isn't at the end of the episode? Doesn't Megatron or Starstream say like like Thundercracker is still given lip and they're just like, hmm, why does he have to make that such a thunderous noise? Or is that the next episode? Yeah, I'm telling you, yes. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make sense, but yeah. I just I, I just wanted that was a good line. Like, shut up, Thundercracker. <laughs> yeah. I just liked him in this episode. And he did have a lot to do, so but okay, so ah, those are the good old days back on Cybertron. Didn't have to sneak around in these ugliest disguises. <laughs> Megatron's energy. This time, I think this is the second time he's used something that was already created by... Oh, no, wait, no, that was by the Earth. This is actually a man-made, like, quote, crystal of power, unquote, that's colored exactly like the crystal shafts of the core episode. And here they actually have the same crystals. So I feel like the same core from the ice episode with Skyfire was exactly the where the crystal power was getting its power from here, too. Did you guys understand that? Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. I was making sure I wasn't, like, sounding, making myself confused. I'm making people confused. We're trying not to cut off each other. Okay. So that's the that's the silence. <laughs> not at this exact point, because apparently neither of us have anything to say. <laughs> okay. Or well, Thomas is dead. <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm still questioning whether or not the crystal was the source of the power and again there's just a giant shaft of laser what? energy shooting out of the earth the crystal absorbed the power that <laughs> i was saying that i thought the crystal was absorbing the power that was already in the earth the same power that was already being used by megatron in the other skyfire episode where they're just draining energy from the core only this one was more like I guess concentrated, I guess, like by the ancients thousands of years ago. Yeah, so that I guess. I, guess. I mean, yeah, the crystal just seemed like just some kind of conduit to me. Yeah. Just a way to concentrate and harness it. Dark, excessive, time limited. So I got some brief fun facts here for you. Oh my god, I should have used this earlier. There's a deleted audio of Megatron saying, finish him off. And Optimus already also says, finish him off. In the exact same line in this episode as well, which I mentioned earlier. They're acting even more like each other this time. Who's the real villain now? <laughs> Probably the one not trying to kill people. <laughs> I mean, both of them are pretty murderous, so... I mean, clearly it's not in Megatron's character. They had to delete it from the episode. <laughs> I'd be funny if they gave it to Optimus by mistake. Uh, the, guy, the voice actor by mistake, and he just read the line. So they're like, well, he recorded Honest? it. Guess it's there. Honestly, they might have. There are a lot of, like, screw-ups like that, so... So, any final thoughts about this episode before we go into Uh, the character spotlight? So, I actually really do enjoy this episode. A lot of this episode is why I watch Transformers, or, like, G1 at least, because of how absurd it is. Because there are so many things going on, and nothing has to make sense, and it's just good fun. And I miss those kinds of shows. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the the first Space Bridge episode where stuff just keeps happening, 
and the plot keeps happening and fights keep happening and then the episode's over because they won yeah sorry what were you saying I kind of, to me this was the first episode where i felt like i could say this was a good episode that i thought it was like really really entertaining yeah the other episodes are just kind of just there but this one i i really like just because there was so much going on it was so absurd Thundercracker, or was it Skywarp, with all his just mocking of Starscream. <laughs> Starscream in episodes so much, is doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then just Optimus and the other Autobots just acting crazy. And just, it was just so much going on in this episode. I, that, yeah, this is the kind of thing that I, I look for in like, you know, older TV shows and stuff like that. Just, I don't know. I just, just thoroughly entertained the whole time. Yeah, now there's there's not enough uh <laughs> not enough uh a hole thundercracker anymore. So <laughs> I, I won't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, I need more of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On to our character spotlight. You guys want to uh each grab a character? We're doing two this episode. Ho ho. Uh yeah, I'll do Wind Charger. Okay. So uh he's gray. Uh he's got a box sticking out of his upper chest. Turns into a sports car. Pretty simple. His quote is, quick action equals quick victory. I don't remember how he sounds like at all, but that's his voice now. <laughs> I don't, he never <laughs> even really talks uh, hardly at all in the whole series. Cool, he'll just sound like this then. Um, <laughs> right. uh, so, Windcharger is the fastest Autobot over short distances, because clearly he can't be faster than Blurt. He's good in situations requiring fast, decisive action. Enthusiastic, but impatient. Short attention span. Casts powerful magnetic fields which can attract or repel large metal objects. Smashes them at closer distances. These abilities use up tremendous energy. Often burns himself out due to carelessness. Uh, oh. <laughs> imagine, like, meeting Blur a few years from now and going, I am outdated. I, Blur is so much better than the garbage Windcharger is. That's assuming you even remember uh, Windcharger even exists. I mean, yeah, yeah I was... also true. <laughs> I was just getting ready to say, there's nothing to me, like, I, I'm i still confused as to whether or not this is his first appearance, and even after this episode, where he was featured prominently, I still don't even know what his purpose is. Like, what, what is his specialty? Magnetic, it, basically magnets, repair or attract things. Did well, he, he didn't that? attract me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm <you>. so sorry. <laughs> so, guess... Guess how many pages on TF Wiki he has? Yeah, one. Even Blue Streak had two. This, this, this poor robot. Windcharger has never shown up in any form in any of the new incarnations of the comics, the cartoons, or live-action movies. Uh, unless you count a minicon from Transformers Energon that was also called Windcharger, but it might have just been a coincidence because everybody already forgot about him. You mean to tell me his special power of being able to change his body color at will didn't make him stand out? He's not a fan favorite. So, oh, he was originally called Sprint, uh, and possibly with the nickname of Jackrabbit if he was there long enough for people to give him nicknames. Oh, that oh would have my been god. <laughs> and he's the only Autobot to never use his powers in the three-part pilot or get his name mentioned. We didn't need him. Oh, yeah. He's in second place for least amount of toys at 10. Huffer has, oh. si Huffer has six. So thank God. At least he's beating Huffer. 
That's pathetic. But that's only checking on the character spotlights we've done so far. <laughs> so. Wait, I still function. So, uh, his fate after the movie, he was supposed to have died during the movie, his body placed near Wheeljack. When time-traveling Ravage showed Wheeljack his own death, he saw Windchargers 2 since his body was near him. Thus, Wheeljack built him two new bodies to choose from, but they were lost when the shuttle they were on vanished and Windcharger died anyway. A statue and memorial of him is present at the new Autobot City. His presence there is more than a reality. Uh... (laughs) Ironically, a new toy that was supposed to be Windcharger during the Alternators line was later changed to Wheeljack, and they designed a new Wheeljack head specially for it. In the original movie script, he survived the initial Autobot City battle, but an earlier scene had Galvatron return to Autobot City before going to kill Starscream, and Cyclonus ripped Windcharger to pieces by flying through him. <laughs> I assume, no, that's, that's I assume my the opinion. Scene- Sorry, okay, cool. I was like, I I'll interject. Was Sorry. I assumed this scene was to show how powerful these new Decepticons were, but then they decided they didn't need it since having them just kill Starscream in one shot was supposed to show how powerful they all were. Could have just had, like, the Autobots die and then keep Starscream alive. We could have done that. Oh, oh, but get this. We would have missed Gears getting blown to pieces by Scourge in that scene. I'm so sad. I my, needed that to happen. My dream now of Gears getting completely destroyed is now uh, no longer reality. It's also in hundreds of pieces. <laughs> Eventually I'll stop making bad jokes. <laughs> Thomas, you want to continue the second spotlight for Trailbreaker? All right, Trailbreaker. He is black. Is that why you, want- <laughs> you just saw <laughs> So what? <laughs> why, did you- why did you stop there? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I did that off the first. I, yeah, he doesn't I, actually... I, saw that. I looked ahead, and I was like, I'm going to make this awkward. <laughs> so, um, he actually doesn't have a secondary color. He's only got one color. It's really weird. So he's just shade of black? It's just... Yeah, I think he's might got, like, his different color eyes or, like, something on his chest. But, yeah, he's mainly completely black. So, I guess when I continue on the read, it's going to say something about him having stealth powers and not just him being able to transform into a, a camper truck. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. <laughs> well, you saw him in this episode. What did he use? All right. Uh, he is black and transforms into a camper truck. Uh, his quote is, an Autobot is as good as the fuel in his tank. Oh, my God. It's so... <laughs> <laughs> and it's... tank. <laughs> His description, Trailbreaker makes light of any situation, no matter how serious. Practical joker and cheerleader, but considers himself a liability to Autobot since he consumes the most fuel. All right, I'll just keep reading. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense to me. Lacks self-esteem and often asks to be left behind. Projects nearly impenetrable invisible fills forward. Sorry. (laughs) Projects nearly impenetrable invisible force field. Can jam radio transmissions very slow, often mopes about his handicaps, but his bravery and defensive prowess is unquestioned. I don't get that lack of self-esteem in any of the episodes we've seen him in, like when he was on Cybertron. Yeah, but then also the last line is his bravery and defense prowess. You need a little bit of self-esteem to do the bravery thing to kind of get yourself out there. Am I interpreting this wrong? No, this sounds like they're just mashing up just random characteristics. Nothing nothing it seems like 
it goes together or even goes what what Trailbreaker has been shown to be. So you want to read some fun facts about him too? So he uses more oil than all the Autobots. Well, I guess they do use oil. I was going to say, yeah. They, use they don't energon. run on Energon. <laughs> and because he uses more oil, his name was going to be Guzzle. <laughs> Guzzle ended up being another Autobot much later down the line for the comics, but he never appeared in the original cartoon. He had three different colors for his first figure, black, blue, or yellow. Black was, of course, the official one used for the Transformers cartoon and comics. The blue version was sold in the U.S. as Diacron DK3 in 1983 before he was engulfed into the Transformers brand. He had six failed attempts at a figure for him that were either turned into another Autobot, despite one looking kind of like him, or canceled altogether. That's hysterical. (laughs) How do you fail that much at being a toy? And then, uh, of course, there's his fate after the movie. Somehow, he managed to pull together enough fuel to survive the movie, only to succumb to the cosmic rust. (laughs) He should have received a Binotech body, but it was stolen for Decepticon to use. You would think this would mean he died, but no, he appeared again, magically cured, to then become the combiner known as Skyrain with Willjack. Then he went into an alternate reality, and that's when I stopped caring. <laughs> Sorry, there was way too much backstory in this alternate reality. Sorry, go ahead. It sounds like that's when Sean stopped caring, so. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, continue reading. Later back in the maybe but not quite the same continuity, he joined Optimus' new military, and after a massive battle, he left in the Ark to search for new Energon, and hopefully didn't run into two asteroids colliding at the same time. I have a lot of questions. Yeah, there's a lot of things where I don't ever really care to go to read the stories on this podcast for any of the massive, like, fan-made uh, alternate reality crossover stuff. I mean, there was a Transformers magazine that had a ton of comics in it about Transformers going to different dimensions or other continuities. But after that, that just most of it is just really kind of all over the place. Sounds like fun. Start reading that wiki, uh, Thomas, on your lunch break, and you might finish by the year 2027. Uh... Never. <laughs> Though there is an actual official comic where Beast Wars Megatron goes back in time to the original G1 continuity, and they fight with the original Transformers. That's actually pretty cool. Oh, excuse me. That would mean they go forward in time, since they're already stuck in the past. And suddenly <laughs> nothing makes sense again. <laughs> uh, but that one has never been fan-translated, so we cannot review that on this show just yet. I'm sure Thomas is really sad about that, right? Not if it's fan-made. No, it's I... not fan-made. This is an official not... Japanese comic. Oh, well. <laughs> Well, there's not many comics that, I don't know, are considered canon in the continuity, is there? Was it the IDW or Dreamwave that I've, I've heard you mention before, Sean? Yeah. they had Both a... of them canon? I, I don't know. It depends on what you feel like when you wake up that morning, if it's <laughs> canon or not. Yeah, that's why, yeah. Anything that just kind of spawns from the comics, I just kind of tune out. Well, normally, the Japanese are really really good at making sure everything adheres to the continuity. And they're always writing stuff up to make sure it fills in the plot holes that were on the actual TV show. 
So you're saying that they try to make things make sense? Yes. I don't think that's really true because they have a transformer that transforms into a clock or something. <laughs> Are you talking about the second Beast Wars with the Tanuki time travel guy? Yes. yes. <laughs> or no, I'm sorry. I think he only stops time. So basically he's got Alita 1's powers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> only it's much more obvious because, you know, he looks like a clock. Everything makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, so that was our extra long episode this time we hope you've enjoyed our rants and reviews and attempts at comedy <laughs> coronation star scream this is bad comedy <laughs> sorry uh as i make one more bad joke so sam are you gonna sign out as a as a gobot name or are no you? <laughs> I don't even remember any of their names. I only know the the, the absurd one that you. There's there's dive dive. There's Psykill. There's Tux. Opter. Opter. There's Spoons. Sure. Uh, there, there's legit. There's a forklift called Spoons. Get it? Opter Go. Alita One. There's Bug Bite. Or leader one, Jesus. There's bad boy as well. Wow. Please These stop. All sound so generic. Not like the <laughs> awesome names of Transformers, like Cliff Jumper. At least they tried to be creative, unlike Gobots with their Gobertron. <laughs> uh, why? Do you, why do you make me angry? <laughs> they are clever. You don't think a Gobot named Good Night Night spelled like. The Night Armor? Yeah, I guess they just didn't blaze any trails like a name like Trailbreaker, so. Sparky. Are you looking up just a wiki list now? <laughs> All right. GoBots so is banned. GoBots is banned from this podcast from now on. It's just Go a GoBots Go banned forever. <laughs> I'm instituting a 25 episode ban. GoBots is going to come back into this conversation at some point. You can't ban it forever. All right, I've already gone with the podcast police, and they'll start issuing tickets to anyone that states it during this year. You know, if you're going to issue tickets, you might need to put hands cuffs on people as well. Stop! Hot name, hands cuff. All right. <laughs> uh, I just feel like deleting this to? whole section now. <laughs> There's I a go by name, The Puzzler. Stop! <laughs> Why are you looking me up? <laughs> Well, there's also a podcast announcer named Sean who is signing off. <laughs> Sammy Breaker is also signing off. And Bat Boy Thomas signing off. The I'm Go leaving. GoBots podcast. I'm uh, leaving. You will never hear me at another podcast. Oh, did we actually even say that we were the SparkCast at the beginning? SparkCast. <laughs> Thanks for YouTube user Transformers at the Moon for hosting every deleted audio segment from every episode of the Transformers. Thanks to tfwiki.net for information used in our character spotlight feature.